this is the fifth of eight messages that we have during this Advent series. And in, in my mind, this is a pivotal one in the sense of Christ has been, he's been built up and put up here where we can look at Him. We've seen Christ in eternity past. We've seen that the Father delighted in Him. And we've seen Christ revealed in the Old Testament. And we've seen Christ come in the flesh. We've seen Him in the incarnation. And we've seen Him appointed for His specific salvific ministry. We've seen Him consecrated. And so now as He's held up, after all four of those messages, undoubtedly, He's lifted up. We're all looking at Him. He has our attention now. We see Him from eternity past all the way up through His appointed ministry and we're gazing on Him. And now, this morning... I have the privilege of looking at the words of Christ. He now has our attention. Now He speaks. So let us listen to the words of Christ this morning from John chapter 6. And I think it would be helpful if we consider all of these sermons as not eight 15-minute messages, but rather one two-hour sermon. It is one continual sermon. And which a two-hour sermon is just a little bit longer than a normal grace message anyways. And so it should be easy for our mind to to process, to wrap around and see it as one big picture. And as we do, the title of this one message that's been preached this whole month would be the glory of the Redeemer in accomplishing salvation. We've seen it from eternity past as the plan is put in motion all the way through. And today let's consider the words of Christ. John chapter 6, I'm actually going to begin in verse 31. Before I do, let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer. God, we want to hear from Christ. So open our ears. And speak to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. John chapter 6, verse 31. Quick context. Jesus just fed the 5,000. He has a big following right now. And then Jesus leaves. He goes to the other side of the sea. And everyone's looking for Him. They're seeking Jesus. We see at the end of verse 24, they're seeking Him. So, 5,000 plus people following after, trying to find Jesus. They get to Him. And it starts this conversation between Jesus and the crowd. And as they engage in this conversation, the people reference how manna came down from heaven to feed the Israelites in the wilderness. Let's look at verse 31. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus therefore said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, It is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. They said therefore to him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, 
that of all that He has given me, I lose nothing, but I raise it up on the last day. Listen, verse 40. For this is the will of My Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him may have eternal life. And I Myself will raise Him up on the last day. I'm going to stop there. We'll read a little bit more in a minute. But I want us to consider this morning the words of the Redeemer here. And as we're doing this, I want two questions to be in the back of our mind as we listen. And the two questions I want you to be evaluating your life in as we look at the message that Christ preached, the words of the Redeemer, I want you to ask yourself, is this the message and is this the Christ that I cling to, that I'm looking to, that I rest in? And the second question is, is this the Christ and is this the message that I'm proclaiming to others? And as we ask those two questions, we're going to look at two different things here. Very simple. We're looking at the words of the Redeemer. I want to look at, uh, as Christ preaches this message, let's look at the essence of the message. What is the heart of it? And let's look at the effects of the message. How did the people respond? First, the essence of the message. Christ revealed who He was. That was the heart of the message. He has 5,000 plus people following Him. I mean, this is... For a pastor in a seeker-friendly church, you can't ask for a better situation. He just did a miracle. He has over 5,000 people who are willing to cross the sea, seek Him out, find Him. He can close this deal like this. Say the right thing, they're going to follow Him. What does He do? They get to Him on the other side of the sea. The first thing out of His mouth, He points out their sin. He says, you're coming after Me to see what I can give to you. We see that. In verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek Me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Their motivation was something different. Let that be a lesson to us now. Why do you come to Christ? Is it because of what He can give you? If you come to Christ, if you are the verse 24, seeking Christ, if you're seeking Christ because of what He can give you other than Himself, apart from Himself, if you're looking for prosperity, if you're looking for health, if you're looking to save a marriage or to have better behaved children or to ease your conscience, if you come to Christ for anything other than Christ Himself, you're going to be disappointed when you hear the words of Christ. Because when Christ spoke, He revealed who He was. And the same people in verse 24 that were seeking Christ are the same people in verse 41 that were grumbling about Him. The Jews, therefore, were grumbling because He had said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. The essence of the message that Christ preached is one that reveals the true nature, the true person of Christ. And if that's not what you want, you will be disappointed when you find the real Christ. The message that Christ preached was that He was all-satisfying. Verse 35, He says that He's the bread that if you feast on Him, if you eat, He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to Me shall not hunger. He who believes in Me shall never thirst. Christ is all-satisfying. Christ offers you nothing other than Himself. And for the true believer, for those who are called by God and see the beauty of Christ, that's enough. That's more than enough. We are satisfied in that. But Christ also, in His message, said to behold and believe in Him for eternal life. The essence of the message that He preached was He revealed who He was, that He was all-satisfying, 
and that He was the one to behold, to look at, and to believe in for eternal life. I think it would be helpful for us to evaluate, is this the Christ that we find satisfaction in? Is this the Christ... If, if the Christ that you've crossed the sea and you've come to find is exactly like you, He looks like you, He acts like you, He talks like you, you have the same interests, He never offends you, you have the same goals in life, it's probably not Christ. You've created a false God. The true Christ, His words will point out your sin. It's going to offend you. It's going to confront you. And He's going to preach a message of Him being all-satisfying and we need nothing else other than Him. He exposed not only the sin of man also, so He he reveals Himself, He points out the sin of man, so He puts Himself in the right place, He puts man in the right place, but then He also points out the helplessness of man. Arguably four or five times, but without arguing, twice, explicitly, Christ says that nobody comes to Him unless the Father who sent Him draws them. You are commanded in Scripture to repent and believe. Repent, believe in the Gospel, believe in Christ. We're told here, behold Him, believe in Him. But I promise you, you cannot do this if God does not act on your behalf. You're responsible for that. You're responsible. If you reject God, that's on you. But know this, if God doesn't act on your behalf, you have no hope in the world. God must draw you. This isn't something that creates hopelessness in in light of the Gospel. This is something that creates hopelessness were there no Gospel. But the Gospel truth is that God does draw men. And that Jesus said, anybody who is drawn, who comes to Him, He will not cast out. There is hope in Christ, in the Gospel. The message that He preached is one that elevated Himself, put man in the proper place, showed us a need for Christ and that He's all satisfying. I want to also look quickly at the effects of this message that He preached. There's two groups of people when the words of Jesus are spoken. There's those who who leave. It says that it was difficult things to hear and they went away. And there's those who stay. Let's read a few more verses here. Verse 60, after Jesus talks about drinking His blood, eating His flesh. He's talking about feasting on Christ, being satisfied in Him. Verse 60, Many therefore of His disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? Verse 65, And Jesus said, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to Me unless it has been granted him from the Father. Verse 66, As a result of this, many of His disciples withdrew and were not walking with Him anymore. This happens really fast, but just consider this again. Over 5,000 people following Christ, seeking Him, crossing a sea, being inconvenienced to go find this man. He reveals who He really is, and these people say, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? And they leave. They don't follow Him. That's group one 
group two, everybody leaves, and Jesus said, and I think it's implied here that everybody left. And we know that there's over, everyone that was there followed, maybe even more because they heard what happened when he fed the 5,000. All these people go to follow Jesus. And it says they left, and then Jesus turned to the twelve. So I picture the group thinning out pretty quickly. And he said, you do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. The two groups of people is the one who who hears the words of Christ. The words weren't different. Jesus preached one message. He didn't make it palatable for everybody. He preached the true message of who He was, that He was all-satisfying, that He was the only way for eternal life. He preaches this message, and the majority of the people there say, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? The other question asked on the other side of the fence is, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. What's the difference between these two? We know which group we want to be in. What's the difference between them? The difference between them is God's purpose of election. I think it's clear in the text as He makes it abundantly clear to those leaving. Hey, the reason you're grumbling, He says at one point in the chapter, don't grumble among yourselves. No one comes to Me unless the Father draws them. So why is everybody leaving? God's not drawing them. And then Peter, with his awesome answer of, we believe, we've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Where else can we go? It's a great answer. What does Jesus say? Man, you nailed it. That's right. A gold star for Peter because you got the right answer on that one. No, it's the same answer. Did I myself not choose you? So for those of us that are in Christ, there's no boast in that. There's no glorying in that. Well, man, all those people left and look at me. Man, over 5,000 people heard the words of Christ and left. But when I hear the words of Christ, when I hear the words of Christ, I'm, I'm one of the 12. I'm still standing here. No. If you are here, you're, you're humbled being one of those that follow Christ because you know that it is God's grace that you're there, that He drew you. There's only two groups. There's only two ways to respond. I want us to... As we close right now, just consider one thing from Matthew chapter 17, Mount of Transfiguration. There's very few times that God audibly spoke in the presence of the incarnate Son. This is one of those times, and He said, This is My beloved Son, in whom I am pleased. Listen to Him. Listen to the words of the Redeemer. I'm going to pray, and following that, I want to spend about a minute, maybe a little longer, and I want us to ask ourselves a couple questions in light of this. Is the, the message that you cling to, is it a message of the all-satisfying, all-sufficient person and work of Jesus Christ? Is He enough for you? Or have you come to Jesus looking for something else? If you've come to Jesus for anything else, you're going to be disappointed. He offers one thing. Him. That's the end. That's the prize. That's the reward. And that's enough. We need nothing else. The other question I want you to reflect on 
is, is this the message that you preach? Or do we know deep down inside that Christ is enough, but we also know that when you preach this message to 5,000, they all leave? And we want a little bit better of a response than that. Do we soften it? Do we lessen the blow? Or, like Christ, can we preach the truth of Christ and say, those that leave, God's not drawing them. I'm not going to change my message so I can draw them. This is a work of God. There's power in the Gospel to say, I don't need to change the message. Reflect on those things over the next minute. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I pray that the words of the Redeemer would be lodged deep down inside of us. God, we could choose many texts where Christ spoke. And we know that of all the texts, He always revealed who He was, promoted Himself in light of the Gospel. He always preached the Kingdom. And He always revealed who man was. God, I pray that we would cling to these words and rightfully recognize our position, our helpless state, and our need for this all-satisfying Savior. Let us not say this is too difficult a statement who can listen to it and walk away and look for another Savior somewhere else. You've given us one Savior. Let us heed His words.